0: This is Mark. And this is Zach. And you're listening to Thinking Outside, outside the, long the Long Box. again. that was terrible. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: I'll be here with uh, Thinking Outside the Long Box. We're at San Diego Comic-Con, and I have the great opportunity to talk to David Lucarelli. He's the author of Tinseltown. It's a five-issue limited series comic, and it's also now in uh, Director's Cut. Can you tell me about the Director's Cut? Yeah, so the
0: Director's Cut graphic novel edition uh, collects all five issues of the Alterna miniseries. It has five additional pages of comic content, and it also has a bunch of uh, new pinups that go along with that as well. And we actually just did a second mini series called Tinsel Town Losing the Light. And we ran a Kickstarter for the director's cut of that. We raised over ten grand. Wow. That's gonna have five additional pages, it's gonna have nine new pinups, and an introduction by Tony Isabella, the creator
1: of Black Lightning. Oh. Oh, wow. Uh, for people who don't know about Tinseltown, yep. um, it's a uh, first female uh, police officer in Hollywood, right? 1915. Yep. Uh, tell me more about that world and the character and everything. Sure. So Tinseltown is a period crime drama about Officer
0: Abigail Moore. She is the daughter of a fallen police officer and it was inspired by some historical circumstances. 1915, uh, there were a limited number of female police officers in the LAPD. They were existed primarily to uh, do strip searches of teenage female runaways, drug addicts, prostitutes. So she tries to apply for that, she's rejected. Um, historically speaking, there were a couple of movie studios that had female police officers. One of them was Universal Studios. They were kind of a proto-feminist organization in that they had a female mayor, police chief, police officers. They functioned as a cross between lot security guards and people there to assist and amuse the tourists. Um, They also weren't above marching them in short skirts and parades to appeal to more prurient interests. Um, actually, in doing research for the sequel, Tinseltown Losing the Light, wow. I found out that D.W. Griffith studio also had female police officers because, you know, you had thousands of extras coming, and going on the lot, and they would get up to hanky-panky in the corridors in, in between shots. Uh, they needed some uh, school marmish police officers to try to keep the, everybody on the straight and narrow.
1: When did you get the idea for uh, this whole universe and well, the story?
0: So my mother was a police officer in Pittsburgh for over 20 years and starting in the 1980s. And, you know, it was really difficult for her. She went through a lot. Uh, and so I started researching the, the history of some of the first female police officers. And I stumbled upon this connection between Hollywood and uh, female police officers and, my day job, I'm an ADR mixer um, nice. for recording actors and actresses in TV and film. So, you know, I, I've, I've spent 20-plus uh, years on movie studio lots and things like that. So I kind of combined uh, my knowledge of the one with my experience having a mother as a police officer and came up with Tinseltown.
1: Um, having a mother in, uh, as a police officer uh, and, like, seeing different depictions of uh, media for police, crime drama, different things like that. Yeah. Is there things that like they always get wrong that you were able to get right in your book? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things about um, female police officers in general
0: is that gives them an advantage is that they are they tend to be more empathetic. They tend to be able to. Diffuse a situation by listening to people and talking to them and ascertaining what's going on versus you know not to be stereotypical, but there's a certain type of male police officer that may go in like gangbusters and simply add fuel on the fire, and uh, you know so my mother had all kinds of experiences. She had a meat cleaver thrown at her, it missed, uh, luckily. Uh, she she and her partner apprehended a murderer, and uh, her her captain. Um, she was up for an award because of that, and he, he conveniently neglected to tell either of them about that and
1: simply collected the, the reward for himself. So, you know. Were, were you able to incorporate any stories that she had told you over the years into your uh, writing of this character? You know, she's kind of an
0: amalgamation of uh, a, a, a bunch of strong women that I've known over the course of my life. There is a specific story uh, about something that happened to her that I'm going to be eventually incorporating in the third volume,
1: which is going to be called Tinseltown Lady Killer. Oh, so this is going to be a continuing series that's going to go on as long as you can?
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely there will be at least a third volume. Nice.
1: Do you have the whole uh, Abigail's whole story arc in your head if you need to get there?
0: I kind of know how her story is going to end, um, but you know, there's a lot of space
1: in between there. Okay, yeah, she lives a whole life, right? That's right. So she uh, does. I love the name Abigail, beautiful name. Oh, thank where, you. where did you get that?
0: Um, you know, it's it's just uh, it's just something that I I've always liked. I guess you know, Moore was the name of my my stepmother. Um, so you know, kind of combining uh, mothers there. <laughs> nice.
1: Nice. Um, uh, Can we talk about CAPS for a little bit? You're at the CAPS booth? Sure. So
0: this is Eddie D'Angelini, and we are representing the uh, Comic Art Professional Society here. Um, This is an organization that was started years ago by uh, Sergio Argones and Mark Evanier, and it's had such uh, luminous members such as Stan Lee, um, you know, lots of professional comics artists primarily, but also some writers. And what it is, is it's an organization that meets once a month, and they sometimes have guest speakers. Um, you know, I've attended uh, meetings where they've talked about how to get your comics in libraries, alternative distribution methods, uh, how to use simple animation programs. So, you know, it's kind of a, a social thing. Making comics can be kind of a solitary Things so an opportunity to meet some of your fellow creators learn from them and uh, they do virtual meetings as well so the meetings currently are taking place once a month in manhattan beach but you can also if you join um you know go on to the zoom meeting and, and be part of it that way too
1: very cool. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about your ADR work. Sure, You've absolutely. done that forever. Um, I love ADR. Yeah. The, the best ADR is when you don't know what happened. That's right. If and, you can uh, tell it's ADR, then somebody has failed. Yeah, so, so do you have any stories about that? Like, what's your proudest ADR moment? That like nobody ever knew existed. Do you have one of those? I'm sure, um, right?
0: You know, there's definitely there's been some there's been some great little anecdotal moments. I, you know, probably the favorite movie that I ever worked on doing ADR was Fight Club. Oh, okay. Um, and with Brad Pitt, and he came in. He was very nice. He's kind of like the cool older brother or uncle you always wish you had. And so he came in, uh, I was in a room full primarily of women, and he's saying hi, introducing himself to everybody. And he looks at me and he goes, now you I think I've worked with before. And I go, no, I, I don't think so. And he goes, hmm, must be your sexual presence. <laughs> Thereby giving me a story I can tell every woman I ever meet for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's
1: pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, before I knew about ADR, uh, I... I, you know I was oblivious to it, but yeah. once you learn about it and it 's bad, it can always bring you out of a story sure. is, is there any like bad ADR that every time you see it you 're like, "Ah, you cringe, yeah, you know I mean I can watch TV
0: and and, and pick out stuff where i 'm like, yeah that doesn 't quite match, does it you know i mean it 's an art and its it really, really it 's down to um, it 's down to the actor and the actress to recreate the emotion and the pitch and the projection and all of that, and I can do everything on my end to try to make it easier for them but ultimately it's up to them and it's a skill that is sort of separate from acting you can be a great actor and not so good at ADR um, but the best I think is a guy like Al Pacino because he can do 32 takes of a line like keep the change and each one is completely different from the other, and each one is perfectly usable. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> very cool. Now you mentioned there was crowdfunding involved in Tinseltown, right? Yes. Is is that one way that people can get it, or is it available to the public, all of it? Or
0: um, yeah. So the best way to get it right now is to go to BackerKit.com uh, and search for Tinseltown, because right now, um, although the the Kickstarter is over. You can uh, simply search for Tinseltown, and you can buy uh, Tinseltown Losing the Light, the sequel. You can buy okay. Volume 1, and you can also get my first book, uh, Children's Vampire Hunting Brigade, which is also featuring Tinseltown artist Henry Ponciano.
1: Very nice, and if you're interested in that, uh, you can go back in the TOTLB archives and hear the interview we did with him before on it, and uh, it's really good. Oh, I recommend you. that. Yeah, so it's really nice talking to you today. I really pleasure appreciate talking it. to you too, man. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is from San Diego Comic Con.